The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome, everyone, to the Underdog NBA show. I'm your co-host, Andrew Ellison. My normal co-host, Tyler Laurie, is out. Contract negotiations, demanding extensions, being difficult as always. So who better to replace him since... Everyone's talking about college basketball, college kids, our own college wonderkin, our own potential NBA draft pick in the front office. Tal Bogair, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You're still in school, right? You did not declare. For I, the, yeah, right now. I'm a sophomore. You know, I might take the year off to train for the draft next year. I know. There was a lot of chatter. You know, would you declare? Would you wait? <laughs> I, bet, I honestly I bet the NBA is probably hiring like, kids out of like you know in a lot of programs right now there's such like a need for it and i think they're finally realizing it um is it like a hot thing like to be interested in nba like machine learning and stuff like that at school or is it still kind of cutting edge um i don't know at least among like among my friends and stuff and then like yeah people are interested in it in the same sense that people like you know fantasy basketball or like fantasy football or stuff but not at a more serious level of like oh i actually want to work with a team type thing is that still your intention would you still love to be like the next daryl morey or or do you want to use like your sort of um you know stat statistician skills in a different <laughs> format um I, I don't know i think i'm slightly less like into it now than I was last year and especially than I was less than I was before entering college because at this point I just feel like at least in terms of what you can do with public data then a lot of because I've already done a lot of projects and I'm not super interested in doing like oh here's another MVP prediction type poster they're like this type of thing you want to break that but maybe if you had like access to like the tracking and stuff like that you could come up with something even more spectacular yeah or you lose interest I mean like I people always say like there's a prime I think for NBA fans and it's usually you know when you're it, it sounds counterintuitive like you get into it when you're like whatever 10 12 and you start watching and then you become like really into it when you're like 15 and 16 and you really don't have much else going on, you know? Yeah. And then now you're in college or you're meeting people, you're having fun. Maybe like you have less time to like watch, you know, a Hornets game or whatever. Yeah. I, I'd say I'm still as interested in basketball and the NBA as a whole as I was before, but just in general, my interest in like, oh, I actually want to make a career out of basketball analytics is essentially not really there anymore. <laughs> Well, you know what we could do? We could pivot a little bit. You make billions of dollars in some other data mining <laughs> world, and then you buy a team, and then you can take over that way. Yeah, and then I can pay the luxury tax for Evan Fournier every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we should talk about that. So um, you're more of an NBA guy. We're not going to talk about college, although congrats to Baylor. Um, you're a big Boston fan, and I think they need the help, you know, if they're not going to hire you full time. I want to talk about a couple teams that looked like they had a bright future, Tal style, Boston and Golden State. And right now, 
as we record, Boston is 25 and 25. And then in the second half of the show, we'll talk about Golden State, who's 23 and 27, um, despite, you know, Curry being healthy for most of the year. So let's talk about Boston first. You're not, it doesn't sound like you're a huge fan of the Evan Fournier fix. Do you think they needed to do something more? Um, no, I actually, I'm like a decent fan. It was more of a joke type thing. I think like people had really high expectations of like, Oh, what are they going to do with the trade exception and all this? And that as far as possible uses of it go, then I think it's pretty good because, you know, it's, it's funny like saying this when in previous years, people were like, Oh, they have so many wings and like nothing else. But this year they really needed the help of having another wing who can score and shoot who isn't Tatum and Brown. Yeah, so it's he, a weird thing because, you know, the the rap on, you said, a Boston was wing, 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 too many wings, and that they had so much depth. And now it feels yeah. like they don't have either, even though they've, you know, drafted Romeo Langford, they drafted Naismith or brought him in. Yeah. Those guys haven't been able to contribute yet. And I think maybe, do you think the team was like relying on them being a little further along? Um, I don't know. I mean... I, I don't think anyone expected that Langford would essentially like still be a rookie in terms of like not like not having any healthy offseason yet and not having any extended play time. But like I don't know, like where, 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 did you have high expectations for the bench and the rotation in general before the year started? Because like if you're looking at it, it's mostly like rookies and like inexperienced guys outside of the starting lineup. Yeah, it was sort of. I think I wrote a post about them like early in the in the off season about like it's sort of like the the search at the time for like a sixth or seventh like a reliable guy. Like, can it be Grant Williams? You know, is it going to be Robert Williams? And then you lose one with Tice trading him away. I both Tyler and I were a little surprised by that. I know that he'd be a free agent, but did you think it was? Is it more just like handing the baton to Robert Williams, or is there something reason why they didn't think Tice was part of their future? Um, yeah, I think it's mostly handing the baton. It's also, I'm pretty sure this was like a couple of days before Tice was traded when they were playing the Rockets, I think it was. And Tice either didn't play at all or he only played like five minutes or something. And then Brad Stevens after the game was like, yeah, realistically in most games, we're only going to play two out of the three bigs that which were at the time, Williams, Thompson and Tice. So like either way. There wasn't but, really a need for all three of them, right? But can you convince me, as a Boston guy, you watch a lot more Boston than I would. If that's the argument, you know, limited bigs, I understand that. Why Tice over, I mean, why Thompson over Tice? I mean, I know he's a better rebounder. Is he offering much um, else? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think Tice is much better too. But like, maybe the deal wasn't on the table for Thompson. Right. Yeah, I mean, no one's looking for Thompson. And I think that maybe that's the point. I think, it, you know, Tice maybe is going to get a decent salary in the offseason. And, and if your plan in the future is Robert Williams, maybe you don't think it's worth having him around. It's always just weird to me when, you know, playoff teams start planning for the offseason now. I feel like, right. I mean, I don't know. You're 25 and 25. You Maybe it feels far away, but you're also the team that beat Philly last year. I mean, are they really that much different of two teams this year? I, I don't get it. I mean, but do you feel like they're just like planning for the future or do you think they're gearing up to toward a sort of the Brennan Fournier, obviously, to maybe try to make a series of the first round? Um, I mean, even the Fournier move, I think you could look at it as some type of gearing for the future because 
realistically, they weren't going to, like, like, they're not going to have cap space this year. And then next year, Jalen will get his max extension. So, like, they're, they're not going to have cap space in the near future. So, then trading for a guy who you have his bird rights, then they can resign him. And that's, like, essentially their way of preparing for the future. Of like, that's the and main keeping, way. So, you think keeping him? Because yeah. he's only 28. I mean, he's been yeah. around for a while, but he's still a pretty good player. Yeah, like, I think they traded him with the intention of re-signing him this offseason, even if it seems like, I don't know, like, uh, like you wouldn't think that, like, uh, you would think that $20 million a year for him is, like, an overpay, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, but, you know, I also feel like he got a little lost in Orlando just because it's, like, no one pays attention to Orlando. And he actually had a pretty good year last year. Um, he shot the ball well all year long. It's just no one cared. Um, right. So I think he's fine. I, and uh, I, I understand that move less so the Tice. So you have wings. I mean, but overall, like, what do you, well, how do you diagnose the problem? Like if you were like, you know, Dr. House and this patient showed up, <laughs> it's like we were last year 48 and 24. And we've already lost more games than that this year. Our defense has fallen from, let me check to from fourth to 18th. Like how, why is Boston so much worse this year? Um, I mean, like the really cop out explanation, which I'm not as big of a fan of, is like, oh, they've they've had a lot of like players missing games, or like I saw something today that they've had more players miss games due to health and safety protocols than like the bottom ten teams combined. But like to some extent, I think that's like a lame excuse because like a lot of those games is like Romeo Langford and Tristan Thompson missing games, and so other teams have injuries too. Yeah, I, I saw that post. <laughs> uh, that posted, but like Tatum's played forty four, Browns played forty six. Yeah. I don't really buy it either. I mean, like it hurts at the margins, but you're supposed to have a good enough bench to sustain you through the regular season anyway. That's why you have depth in the regular season, you know. Um, I think part of it. I saw an interesting stat too. As long since you're a stat guy, I don't know how you feel about the idea of three point opposing three point percentage being a little more random than we'd like to admit maybe. Um, And so last year, Boston, um, their opponents shot a very low percentage against them. It was, let me just find the exact number. They shot um, 34% opponents and that was the second lowest in the league. And you might say, Oh, that's a great defense. That certainly makes sense, but that's kind of normalized in a way gone back to mid pack and their defense has fallen. Like, how do you stand on that sort of debate about three point percentage random or not? Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree that it's random, but it's also like, I don't think that having a good opposing three point percentage was the only reason they were a good defense last year. Cause like historically in like the Brad Stevens era, they've always been, or almost always been a top defense. So like at that point, it's not as much of a random thing as it is more of a like consistent scheme and like having the right talent fit, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. And I always point out too, like Isaiah Thomas, I'm Isaiah Thomas, sorry, little Isaiah Thomas, the new one. Um, one of the worst defenders, you know, statistically. But even when he was on the team, Boston had a good defense. So as a team. So clearly scheme wise, they're pretty good. I can't really explain it. I don't buy the injury thing. Maybe it's Tristan Thompson just being older. I don't know. And they're playing him more than Tice. Can't be the Kemba's missed time because he's not a great defender. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also like uh, all those explanations of like, yeah, if there was more, if there are more players who could share the offensive load, then Tatum and Brown could contribute more on defense because right. like they're both very good defenders. But if they're tasked with creating all the offense every night, then they obviously can't contribute as much. And and more smart missing time certainly hurts more right. defensively. Robert Williams' stats, advanced stats, are kind of <laughs> off the charts. I mean, yeah. offensive blocks plus minus plus three point six, defense plus three point five. I mean, by far their best player minute per minute. If you for, take it for what it's worth, maybe he's been playing against you know some scrubs. But do you see him as like a building block kind of player? Maybe not the star of a team, but a guy that you could you know lock into the starting lineup for the next five years. Um. Yeah, I definitely see him that way. Like if you watch when he's on the floor then he, he like his minutes are always like very electric and stuff and even though he's not necessarily like like a superstar or anything then you don't necessarily need that because especially with this team construction if you just have a big who is great at passing like williams is and is just a big good lob threat and you can play at least passable defense which is like better than passable but that level of defense with strong wing play around him can be really strong and that's sort of we before the podcast started we had this debate about bigs and we might talk about it with wiseman and, and the argument is like do you need to draft a, a defensive-minded big guy in the top five when guys like robert williams kind of he fell he was kind of a big name but he fell in the draft right. but there's guys like that available usually sort of like you know he's, and he's going to make three million dollars this year or two million really yeah. Um, so that's sort of how you like to build the team. So you're sort of like in the, it sounds like you're more optimistic, I guess, on the future. Or do you, are you one of these Boston fans that thinks the sky is falling and Angel needs to get fired? Um, I, I guess I, I, I'm like reasonably optimistic. Like I think that just this year, especially, like the past couple of years in general have been like weird where Boston has been trying to be in like both being a young team and also being a contending team. It's like, yeah, we're bringing in Kyrie and Horford and whatever, while also having Tatum and Brown, which like looks really good and works really well. If you're then able to keep the like contending talent around and like, even though Hayward didn't play barely at all in the playoffs, I think he is really important in terms of, like when he was still on the team, then it was still like, oh, we're in a contending phase because we have a max like all-star player who can contribute on offense a lot. And like they technically still do have that with Kemba, but it's not as much where like now they're more into the like, okay, this isn't as much of a contending year as it is like a future year type thing. So is it sort of, you know, obviously Kyrie left for his own reasons. And Kemba was sort of seen as like the, easy plug-in replacement i think at the time their stats were pretty similar i think kemba actually like played more often so you could argue that he was more valuable at the time like is it as simple as a matter of like kemba's just not like an all-star right now and that kind of limits this team's ceiling than what we thought um yeah i think that's that's part of it but that also just like more going back to the hayward thing that essentially the best distributor on the team right now is Marcus Smart, who like he's like pretty good, but like he's not like he can't be your like like main offensive facilitator. And like that was something that Hayward did really well. 
Yeah. And Tatum and Brown are still kind of trying to figure that out. It's, you know, and it's funny because it's like, it's Hayward, I think obviously now is more appreciated than he was maybe last year or the year before. And he, I don't think he was playing as well as he did, was playing for Charlotte earlier in the year for Boston, but it's sort of just like a guy, a reliable, good player. Yeah. Like it's like a tide that like lifts all boats, right? Like it's like, and you lose, you take one guy away. Maybe it's the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of depth, at least. Um, but I think, I mean, just looking at their depth chart, there's a lot of guys that I like. Um, and I liked Nate Smith and I liked Romeo coming out of college too. I mean, like, am, am I just falling back on like draft hype or do you think like one of those guys like next year could actually be in the rotation? Um, I think, Langford at least has qualities that would like make him fit in the rotation. It all depends on his health where like he brings certain things that I think he's missing from like the non-TM and ground players in terms of having someone who can handle to some degree and also kind of drive on their own. So if you're looking at next year and I don't want to write them off for this year, because I think they could, you know, be a competitive first round series. Like, I don't think anyone's like looking forward to playing Boston, but you're looking at Kemba's probably going to be on the team next year. I think Peyton Pritchard's, you know, in terms of guards, he's a solid backup for sure. You know, Marcus Smart is sort of like the wild card, you know, guard wing. And then your wings, you could have Tatum and Brown and Fournier. That's pretty strong. And then you just say that we're going to go relatively small with, and then, play Robert Williams at the center. Is there anything you think is like fundamentally lacking with it, with that sort of scenario? Um, I think aside from just like having like someone who's like actually a good playmaker, then it's like, yeah, that team construction, like is really not so different from the past when they, what, when they went really far, they just had playmaker in those years. Like even like, what if this team had Mike Conley instead of Kemba? Like, do you think it would be much different? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Like maybe a little, but it's still not like Mike Conley is like such like right. an offensive leader to on Mike Kemba. Or I mean, it's easy to say like Chris Paul or something, but like, yeah, I mean, like right. that's going to improve every team, really. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like a Chris Paul type player. Like you could say that a couple of years ago, that type of like facilitator was Al Horford when right. he was like the offense really ran through him a lot in terms of the dribble handoffs and a lot of the passes that he would make. And it kind of is a natural transition because, I mean, like you might say, like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a, a point guard. It doesn't even have to be a guard. Somebody like Draymond Green yeah. know, can distribute the ball. And I don't know if there's been any talk about the Warriors trading Draymond Green. I think they should consider it. Um, who would you want them to trade them for? To trade them for? I mean, I, I don't know who the Boston would do, but I just look at, let's just talk about the Warriors right now because they – you know, obviously it had some great runs before Durant, obviously. Uh, 23 and 27, it just feels like, despite having a top 10 defense, despite having, you know, Steph Curry playing well, if you told me that they would be this far under 500, I would have presumed that Curry missed, you know, 15, 20 games. He's missed about like 10. Um, and Draymond's been pretty healthy. He's played 42 games. It just doesn't seem like I, I just can't look at this team and think like Clay Thompson's the answer. And then suddenly they're a top four team again. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't think that they instantly go back to being like a contending team when Clay comes back. But like at the same time, 
like if they trade Draymond. Like I, I really don't think that's like something that's on the table at all. Because like if they do, who could they realistically get that would make them better? Yeah, I just think my fear with the Draymond, I've never been as big of a Draymond fan as everybody else, especially my co-host Tyler, like loves him at one point, thought he was more valuable than Steph Curry, um, to the team at least. I disagree. Uh, um, And you know what? His salary is pretty reasonable. I thought he had like a bloated salary. It's 22 million, 24 million, 25 million, and then 27 million in the last year. That's probably going to be a problem, but he's already 30. I just think my... I think Draymond Green is like a good player, obviously, and he adds certain qualities and he would be really great. I think on a team like the Celtics, if he was like the center, like a playmaking small ball center, my fear kind of ties back to the big conversation. It's like Draymond Green can't shoot right. Like at all anymore. Like it's embarrassing, Mm -hmm. like how bad he's gotten. And then you're going to play Wiseman, you know, your shiny bright and shiny number two pick heavy minutes and he he's actually an okay shooter but he's still not good for the by the standards of you know an average nba player um i just don't know if you can get by with that anymore in the nba of like just like playing you know they just don't have enough shooting as oddly as it sounds and i think if they just had one of the two and then surrounded them with shooters i think they'd be better off personally yeah, I think for the most part, that's true, but also situationally, when they're also with Curry, then he can make up for like the lack of shooting. Of and certainly with, yeah, with certainly Clay, too. You bring Clay back, Wiggins is shooting yeah. well. Maybe that's enough. Um, and then you could play, you know, Dream on small ball, sometimes, survive, sometimes the four. And I just don't know. I just don't know if they peaked, because they're all over 30, the top guys. Right. And Wiseman's just not ready yet. I just, I'm getting pessimistic <laughs> and, and I say Draymond Green cause I do think he still has a good amount of trade value based on name recognition. I don't, you know, obviously the Celtics aren't going to trade like Jalen Brown for him or anything silly like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you could get for him, but you know, I think a lot of it depends on their draft pick too, because um, just to refresh everyone's memory in the Wiggins trade, they have Minnesota's draft pick this year which is top three protected. So um, Minnesota is currently slotted at number one, but that's really not guaranteed to much. It's actually like less than 50-50 chance they'd keep it if they were at number one. And that changes the game a lot. I mean, at that point, if you're Golden State, let's say you're, you're Bob Myers, you get the fourth pick. What do you do at this point? Like, Do you trade your pick and Weissman and try to go all in with the old core? Do you trade... Draymond in the fourth pick and bring in the Bradley Beal or something like that. Like what direction or do you, or do you think they should go like the, what Boston was trying to do, like stay good and stay young? Um, well, and I think this is like a kind of similar situation to where they were last off season with the number two pick. And at least last off season, I was a big proponent of like, if this was on the table and then uh, it's like a slightly different thing but like i think demar Derozan is like super underrated and he could like fit there so well as like having a secondary facilitator and just filling in a lot of holes there so last offseason at least i would have been a big fan if they had traded wiggins and the pick for Derozan. or like just i, I don't know maybe you would think that's an overpay for Derozan, so maybe well like, it depends on the pick else. too because it's like the two pick last year was you know lamello's like blown up I don't think right. anyone thought the two pick was super valuable last year. 
that I think they could have gotten DeRozan. I don't know who else they could have gotten, but I like your point about DeRozan because he has become underrated. Um, he's averaging like seven assists a game or something like that. People don't realize that. Uh, and I think he would fit. Like maybe their hope is like Wiggins is going to be that kind of guy. And he certainly improved right. defensively, averaging 18 a game now, stealing a block a game. Ubre is the guy that I would maybe float if you can. He's a free agent, so I guess you can't, but maybe yeah. there's some sort of sign and trade with Ubre. I just never liked Ubre either. Yeah, same. Tyler likes same. him again. See, Tyler, that's why we need you on the podcast instead of Tyler. He likes all the guys we don't like. Yeah, so, yeah, so like in the offseason, it's like a difficult position for them because, like, obviously, Curry is still amazing. And, like, you're not going to get realistically a rookie with a pick that can, like, immediately contribute at a championship level. Yeah. Whereas if you trade, if there is some type of DeRozan type trade out there, then even though it's, like, in a vacuum, it might not be the best move. And it's like, okay, it doesn't matter if, if we think we can contend and it's, like, Curry's last however like who knows how many years he has left of being like a superstar player yeah those are great points because everyone wanted to compare last year to the spurs getting tim duncan when they had that high pick like oh my god the rich get richer and the point being like tim duncan was a college senior he was incredibly ready to play and contribute and he was immediately like a top 10 player in the nba as a rookie I think he averaged like 22 and 12 or something right. and any guy now like the 19 year olds are just not going to be ready for yeah. a couple of years and so weissman was not quite ready and i don't think they whoever they get next year is going to be ready um and so that i guess that's my fear that was plaguing the back of my mind is not so much like hey clay comes back we're a top six seed it's not the end of the world my fear is curry is 32 he's going to be on the last year of his deal next year and maybe he'll just resign out of loyalty, but in terms of winning more rings, if he cares, can you really argue that Golden State's the place to do it? Um, yeah, I mean, that seems like it would be a difficult argument for him to be like looking at the, I don't know exactly what teams are going to have cap space then, but it's hard to believe that at that time, looking at Golden State's roster construction, that they would be like the best option for him in terms of winning. But I, mean, I think he will resign there. I think he will too, but I, maybe I'm just like paranoia is like, I live in LA. So there was a lot of chatter about like LeBron's recruiting Curry. And I'm like, okay, you know, that sounds ridiculous. The cap doesn't make sense. At least, you know, if he wants to get 40 million or whatever. Um, right. At the same time, <laughs> if you could play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I think that's kind of a pretty good fit, especially if you do think Draymond and Clay Thompson are just never going to be back at like an all-star level or just go to Brooklyn. Should everyone just go to Brooklyn? (laughs) And yeah, yeah, just everyone just goes. Um, I don't know. I hope it works out because I do love the team. I I love, you know, just like felt like such an organic team and now just like the, the ugly side of being over 30 and yeah. And you might not get the pick anyway. So, like, there goes that asset, theoretically. I mean, if they don't get the pick, then it's Minnie's pick next year, though. So, like, yeah. they still have the asset. But Minnesota should be much better next year. I, I don't know why Minnesota's so bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, always baffles me. Like, even if you have a crappy team or organization, it's like, 
there's enough talent and forget the injuries. I think it's overblown too. I mean, Minnesota's like a sleeping giant, I think, if they keep their pick in the top couple picks. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't buy it? I, I like think the... It, I, I, sorry, keep going? No, that's the thing. I, I like the coach. I, I kind of like Anthony Edwards coming on. I love Cat. If they could add, like, Cade Cunningham or something, I know you're not a big college basketball guy, but yeah. eventually, if you haven't added enough number one picks, you're going to be pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, to some extent, that's like obviously true if like the picks are really good. But I think a lot of the thing with the Timberwolves, which was actually, I think, maybe something we talked about in the past, where like looking at the Suns in the past, like a really great example of like, yeah, you can like make high picks and add talent, but then like you can't be like a team where like all of your players are like just random picks from this past year because then like realistically like three or four of them are going to be good. And then you're the rest of the team, like the Suns in the past, the rest of their team wasn't like even like NBA quality players. And then like this year and over the past couple of years, they've been making that transition of like adding like Jay Crowder type players. I mean, obviously Chris Paul was a big part of that, but just yeah. having NBA level players who can contribute immediately to like go in with those guys. And like the Timberwolves don't exactly have that type of depth and like, I guess like I, 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 not necessarily or like, like maturity presence, but you still, know yeah. it's like like the blind leading the blind and like if I had to pick like a personality to lead my team, I don't know if it'd be Cat and D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> um, but that's true. And I actually think that like Phoenix is like a great example of what they want to be because they they just turned it on. Like now they're you know in the second spot and they're just really good. And it only took like you know a few years in Chris Paul. And I could see that for Minnesota, but they don't have that Chris Paul type. They probably do need. And the sad thing is they're supposed to be Jimmy Butler, right? I mean, like, that was sort of the plan. It's like he'll be our veteran leader right. to teach the kids how to win. And it's just kind of combusted. Yeah. Maybe they can get him back. I don't know. <laughs> um, I am interested. But I, will, I know you didn't like – you haven't dove – done a deep dive in college basketball yet in the prospects, but like, I was curious, I was interested to hear that you don't really love college basketball despite being in college. <laughs> is there a reason? Is it like a stylistic thing or you just like the, why is that? Um, I don't know. I mean, just like, I don't think it's so stylistic because like you could say like, I guess the style is pretty similar with the exception of like, yeah, like college teams play a lot more zone. But it's just like in general, the I feel like the level of offense is like so much lower in college where it's like, I don't know, like the UCLA Michigan game, I was watching it and it's like, okay, in a 40 minute game, you're scoring 100 total points among both teams. And like the last minute, you know, it's just like air ball three after air ball three. And yeah. it was like, That's it's like, yeah, and yeah, like a lot of people are like, oh, like I like watching college because they actually try on defense on like the NBA, but like, I think that's not true at all. It's just the NBA offensive players are so much better than they are in college that like defensive skill actually matters. And that it's not just effort. Absolutely. I mean, that's like the, you know, you're talking to an old, I, I have an old man tendency sometimes, but anyone who talks about like, they can't play defense now. It's just like, yeah, doesn't watch like they're trying their best. You know, <laughs> It's just really hard when guys are now shooting like 50% from three, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and yeah, college can get ugly at times. 
And there's no like there was not even Ivy League play this year. You know, you guys canceled the whole thing. Did you did you like that decision or no? You don't really care. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't follow anything. Um, I think you can get out there. I want you to take over. You can take over as coach, right? I don't know Yale's <laughs> situation right now. Harvard still has a good team, right? I, I have no clue. No clue. <laughs> um, you could do it. I always thought that like kids should. Uh, do that especially if they're like i know there's no like academic i mean athletic scholarships in the same way but if i was like a fringe prospect and i'm like i'm ranked like 120th and i'm not going to make the nba but i'm a coveted college prospect like i would totally go to yale or harvard or something like that just like use that yeah and then you know the educational value is probably a lot better than if i went to like no offense to like texas tech or something like that you know like eventually you're gonna right. have to real be do something other than basketball yeah, definitely. Um, but that's why we want to keep you in basketball. And so, <laughs> so what's it been like? So let's just wrap it up on your um, sort of lifestyle. Like, so everything's, is it going to go back to normal in the fall? Are you guys planning to like be on campus all the time? Um, I don't know. I mean, there was an email sent out a little while ago, like like vague fall plans. It's like, yeah, we like hope and think that things will be decently normal and in person. And that it's probable that at least for the start, things will still be virtual as like we're figuring things out. But that, yeah, I, I don't know. So like, it'll start getting there. Well, they, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw that they, they allowed athletes to have an extra year of athletic eligibility if they wanted to because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And do they, would they allow that for college kids if you just wanted to hang around and, and <laughs> feel like you got the missed year that COVID took away from you? like socially too i mean just like go like have <laughs> yeah. fun and like meet people um yeah i mean like people who like wanted an extra year could just like take a gap year which yeah did a lot of people do that or, or not it makes sense um, actually yeah a, a decent number like i i would have wanted to too but i ended up not doing it um yeah a decent number of people did yeah i think gap year would be great i mean it's obviously not it's like what do you do in the meantime it's hard to like financially figure that out um, but if you could, I think it would be a great scenario. I almost like, uh, talk about my missed opportunities. I, I used to be not you, I wasn't tall, but I used to, um, be ahead of the curve for baseball stats. And, um, I would write about it a little bit. There was even, this is even, you know, the internet was just starting really. And like, I wrote a letter to the white Sox cause they were my favorite team about Frank Thomas, who was my favorite player. And they're like, somebody in the front office is like, well, if you want to take a gap year, this could have been you. Like you want to take a gap year and like work for the team as like an intern, you know, they weren't offering me a cover to job. And right. then for, for a year in college, and then you go to college the year after. And I didn't do it. Cause I was like so eager to start college, but in hindsight, I'm like, that would have been really cool. And I probably would have made me a, you know, more mature person. And maybe I would have pursued baseball and front office or something like that more seriously. Um, yeah. You never know. <laughs> But have you ever been like a pro? Because Tyler like talks like talks you up to like NBA teams. Um, if you if they offered you not like let's say a gap year, like let's say you know Boston's like come even intern for us, I know you know for a year and then go back to school. Would you consider that, or you just want to like ride out to college? Um, I mean, like it would obviously depend on like the situation a little bit, but I think I would generally be for it. But that my parents would not be for it. <laughs> so I, uh, this is just like the whole like gap year thing this year. I'm like, yeah, like I had things that I like 
like I think I wanted to, but like my parents, like I like obviously it's like for good reasons, like don't want me to. So like I didn't end up doing it. So it's it's like the same type of thing. I'm like yeah, I just like imagine telling my parents like yeah, what do you guys think about me taking a year off to do basketball analytics? It's like a funny thought. You never know. I mean, like it's it sounds like a you know if you're from like a academically minded like family. It sounds like silly, you know, but it, having a very specific interest can be a good thing. Like I, I might've said this story, but there's a kid in my high school who loved Hot Wheels cars and he, through high school, you know, he was like 16 and still loved Hot Wheels and like, what a silly thing. Right. And now he's like working for Mattel and like running Hot Wheels. I'm like, <laughs> like there was probably, <laughs> yeah, it's probably like the one guy who like wanted to do that. And it really set him out from the pack and obviously basketball, everyone likes basketball and everyone would do basketball stuff if they could. But I think yeah. having a specific so specialization is not a terrible thing. Um, yeah, definitely. But we'll see the future. That's why we want to check in with you every, you know, few months every year to see where, where it takes you. I'm glad that you haven't like totally like become like a DJ or something like that, you know, <laughs> using analytics oh, yeah. to find the best like beats or something. <laughs> um, I mean, it's actually not far off. <laughs> that's probably true. Right. I um, mean, like one of the things I've been doing for the past couple of months is doing this like audio research type thing where it's like machine learning things for like, like manipulating audio in certain ways. So oh, like, no. yeah. <laughs> it terrifies me. Cause I, I do like creative writing as well. And I'm like, I'm just waiting for the day. Cause I'm like, they can't machines can never do that. I'm like, maybe in five years they could do that. <laughs> um, it's a little scary, but you just have to be in control. Yeah. We just need you operating the machines. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. And well, I like that, you know, talking about those two teams, cause I think they are really, not in a similar boat. I think Boston's in a better position right now, at least for this year. And they're still on like the upside. There's still like some upside left to be wrung out. Whereas like golden States really trying to figure it out. Um, do you think just to put a button on it? Like, do you think golden state needs like a shakeup in terms of like Boston? You like Danny Ainge. I'm guessing you still like Brad Stevens. Like, do you think golden state like needs to drastically rethink their approach or is it just sort of, ride it out, see what you can make with these draft picks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think in general, I would like, if I was like their front office, then I would try to like, yeah, sure. You can say like it's selling low on Wiseman or whatever, but I highly doubt it will be like a like, championship level contributor during when Curry is still yeah. a superstar. So like, like, so, try to shake that off. Yeah. And if you have a pick and Wiseman, then it's a rebuilding situation. Some team out there, We'll be interested in that. Some young team. Right. Can I end on one question? I always want to ask Boston fans this. I want to see if the tide has turned. Jason Tatum versus Jalen Brown. Like, let's say you had to lose one for some weird, you know, NBA rule, real allocated damn talent expansion. You still <laughs> ride with Tatum, or do you think Brown's a little better? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, Tatum's better. Tatum's better still. Because I've seen some people to argue the Jalen Brown case. He's a little older. He's having a good year. I don't know if it's um, sustainable. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, like Brown had an amazing start to the year, and he's like cooled off of it, and he's still having an amazing year. But like, even with that, Tatum is still better this year, at least. So you're still committed to Ainge, Stevens, and Tatum. Yeah. 
still committed to the Celtics. You're wavering on basketball. <laughs> it's a good time to yeah, jump on a podcast, basketball podcast. I mean, hopefully we didn't turn you off completely. Now you're just like, I'm totally done with it. This is the last straw. Um, no, but thanks for coming on um, and filling in for Tyler and actually providing some insight. Tyler, you know, we were talking about how great Romeo Langford was supposed to be as a rookie. And it never came true yet, but maybe someday. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sal. Enjoy the rest of whatever they call this year, college year, whatever, <laughs> sophomore year. Are you sophomore year? Yeah. Um, ride it out. It'll be better next year. You can go hog yeah. wild next year. I hope so. <laughs> Big junior year coming for Tal. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. We'll be back next week with Tyler. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 